Welcome to Bold Faith with Courage Molina, a place where you get empowered and equipped to be who God has called you to be, do what God has called you to do, and go after everything he said you can have without hesitation or apology. Let's go. All right, let's get into this week's sermon. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Come on in. I am Pastor Courage Molina. Welcome to Bold Faith Community Church. Go ahead and drop where you are tuning in from in the chat. Come in, come in. So excited to be here. I'm excited about this X28 today. Um, I've loved being in X. I can't believe that this is our last week in the book of X. Super excited about that. Before I get into the book of Acts, though, um, let me just share something with you about our church. In case you're new here, here at Bold Faith Community Church, we are a virtual church and our mission is simple, but it is very powerful. It is simply to share the good news about Christ and guide you in studying the Bible for transformation so that you can experience God's best in every aspect of your life. If you are all about that, if you love that, if that's exactly what you've been looking for, then guess what? You are in the right place. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Not only are we here Saturday mornings for virtual church, we are also here Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. EST with mornings in the word. So listen, if you know someone who is interested in growing their faith or somebody you want to grow your faith with, then go ahead and hit the share button, share this video, share this channel, um, help other people to find this great and amazing community. Now, listen, who would I be if I did not tell y'all about this bold faith retreat, okay? It is Faith Ignited. It's our third annual retreat. Can you believe this is our third one? I cannot believe it. Um, if you are ready to take your faith to a new level, if you understand that it is time for you to level up and experience something truly life-changing, then you can come and do that at Faith Ignited Retreat. We are talking about bold faith, blessings, deliverance, and encounter with God that will leave you feeling unstoppable. I want you to take just a moment to picture yourself to imagine, can you imagine yourself surrounded by other powerhouse women all ready to ignite their faith and transform their lives? We are talking about women from as young as age 14 and up all coming together at the beautiful Brandover Resort and Spa in Greensboro, North Carolina. This is taking place July 12th through the 15th. You want to know what you can expect? I hear that question all the time. Well, it's not like a standard conference. It is a retreat. You can expect transformation, all right? You'll come out feeling like a completely different person in the best possible way. You'll have access to top-notch speakers, engaging workshops, and uplifting activities, all designed to help you get to the next level in your faith. But it's not just about the activities. It's not just about having a good time. I mean, it's going to have, we're going to have a good time, but it's not just about having a good time. It's really about community. You will be surrounded by a sisterhood, by a family. They might feel like aunties or cousins, but definitely a family of women who will lift you up, who are going to support you and who are going to hold you accountable to your greatness as you take the next steps in your faith journey. 
So you are waiting for what exactly? What exactly are you waiting for? Go ahead, go to boldfaithchurch.org and reserve your spot today and get ready to ignite your faith like never before. This is the kind of event that you don't want to miss. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm not missing it. No, you're going to miss something. If you don't come to this retreat, you're going to regret it. And I'm, I'm not going to say I told you so, but I'm going to thank you. <laughs> I just want to encourage you to be bold, to take a leap of faith and join us at the Faith Ignited Retreat. We will be waiting to hug you, to scream, to do all the screeching that we love to do when we come together and we see each other. So you definitely do not want to miss that. As I said at the start, uh, we are going to be coming from Acts 28. So you can go ahead and get yourself ready for Acts 28. I'm going to be reading from the NIV. I would love for you to read along with me. Okay. Let's get some background in case you haven't been here with us these last, you know, 27 plus weeks. So how did we get here? The start of um, Acts 28. Well, let me, get, let me get a little bit of water. Um, Paul and the prisoners, Paul and the other prisoners, because Paul was a prisoner too, are on their way to Rome from Crete. Um, so it's prisoners, it's crew for the ship, obviously, and they just arrived. Um, they just survived a storm and a shipwreck. So the ship was completely destroyed. They lost everything on the ship, but none of the lives were destroyed. Okay, and Paul is on his way to Rome because he has appealed to Caesar. As you already know, these people have been accusing Paul of trying to start a new religion, of trying to start trouble, a riot, trying to uh, desecrate the temple. And so Paul has had to share his testimony over and over and over. And at the last one, he was like, forget this. I appeal to Caesar. And so then they sent him. The people that we'll see in chapter 28 is first. The gospel author, Luke, right? The gospel according to Luke. We will see him in chapter 28. He is a gospel writer. He's the author of the book of Acts. He's a physician, Greek Gentile. Um, and he's a close friend and traveling companion of Paul. So he's kind of been with Paul off and on throughout the book of Acts. You know that he's there because he can. He starts to use the pronoun we. We were here and we were there when we got on the ship. So you know now that the author, who was Luke, is accompanying Paul. We obviously see Paul because he is uh, our main attraction, right? He is an apostle, church planner, Pharisee, Jewish Christian, um, Jewish convert, right? So he was Jewish, he was raised up Jewish, but now he's a follower of what they call the way he believes in Jesus Christ, believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He was a Pharisee. He's currently a prisoner. Um, and he is also the author of several New Testament books. We also see the people of Malta. That's where they first arrived. Um, what we know about the people of Malta, they appear to be kind, gracious. Um, they are of Phoenician ancestry. They are very superstitious. So they believed in a lot of gods and a lot of other stuff. We also see Publius, who is a chief. He's like in charge of the island. I don't know what he is, but he's like a chief official of the island. Maybe it's like the governor or the president of the island. I don't know what his official title is, but he's in charge there. He's extremely hospital, uh, hospitable, and he's generous. Um, and his sick father, 
lives with him and he gets to see Paul heal him. We also see these Christians from all over because there are a couple pit stops, the brothers and sisters, um, and all these different places, including Rome. We also will see, I feel like I'm going so fast. I don't even have a lot, so I don't know why I'm so fast. I think I'm excited. Um, Jewish leaders, we see Jewish leaders in this chapter. They are living in Rome. Don't get me started. They're living in Rome. They say they're not really aware of anything that's going on with Paul or what people are saying about Paul. Um, they're not aware of any charges against him. They are familiar, though, with what people are saying about this sect. Uh, and this is they're referring to Christianity. Um, this is this chapter takes place. There, there are a lot of locations, but the two main locations that I want to talk about are Malta. That's the first island. It is about 60 miles south of Sicily. And it's a great location for trade, which means there are a lot of people that are going to be coming from all over the world in and out of there. Great place to share the gospel. And Rome, which is the center of Roman power. This is where Paul asked to be sent, right? Because he wants to appeal and go before Caesar. So now let's get into Acts chapter 28. Y'all ready? I hope y'all ready because I'm ready. Uh, this is the NIV once again. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess Justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was God. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Uh, dysentery is uh, like when fluid gathers, like uh, swells up in the body, so he's swollen. Paul went in to see him and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Patolin. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them, and so we came to Rome. The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. Three days later, he called together the local Jewish leaders. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. 
They examined me and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, so I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people. For this reason, I have asked to see you and talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. They replied, we have not received any letters from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you. But we want to hear what your views are, for we know that the people everywhere are talking against this sect. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in an even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God and from the law of Moses and from the prophets. He tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I will heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. So at, right from the start, we see that the islanders show them all grace, right? They don't know these people. They can clearly see that they were shipwrecked. I don't know if they could tell that some of them were prisoners. I don't know if there was like prison garb, but they were kind to them, even though they didn't know them, didn't know them from Cain to Cain. They didn't know them from Adam, but they showed them a lot of grace. They were very kind and hospitable to them. It's cold. It's raining. They went and built a fire for them so that they could warm themselves. What we see is that Paul is helping with the fire, right? So even though he just got off a shipwreck and maybe he had to swim to shore, I don't know if Paul could swim or if he was on one of the um, pieces of wood and he had to float and paddle himself to shore, but they just went through this horrible thing. And I'm sure that they are probably exhausted. Paul is not just sitting back, allowing somebody to take care of him or just sitting around not helping. Paul is team service and work. And so now we see that Paul is helping with the fire because he decided to help with the fire, right? He's over here putting this brushwood. What do we see? this viper come out and attach itself to Paul. Now, one of the questions I asked myself, did he attack Paul? I don't think he attacked Paul. Or did he just attach himself, right? Because if the viper is in this wood, is in this brushwood, it's cold and it's raining, then just from a natural state, it's probably cold and stiff and it probably wasn't moving a lot. Now it's warmed up. Also just trying to save its own life, comes out, attaches itself to Paul's hand. How does Paul respond to this attaching or attacking? Stop right there real quick. I guess that might be perspective. That's good. I guess a perspective. It depends on your 
perspective when you experience things? Did something attach itself to me or was this an attack? Was somebody trying to save themselves and I just kind of got caught up or was somebody actually trying to destroy me? Just perspective. Whatever it was, Paul just shook it off. He just, something attached to him, something that could have potentially killed him, something that could have potentially caused him harm. He didn't run around screaming, saying, oh my gosh, why is something always going on with me? I thought I was going to, you know, preach in Rome and now I'm about to die. I wonder if that's for me. <laughs> I wonder if that's for me or if that's for anybody else. If that's for anybody else, do you go through something and then... As soon as, as soon as you get through one thing, something else happens. And so now, how are you responding? Are you responding like Paul just shaking it off? Like, I know this ain't going to be the end of me. Because remember, the Holy Spirit and God has been keeping, God has been keeping Paul the whole time. And the Holy Spirit has been telling Paul, you are going to preach, give your testimony, be a witness for God in Rome. And he still hasn't gotten to Rome. So it looks like to me, Paul is like, I do not care about this snake biting me because this is not wrong. So I ain't going to die here. It puts me in the mind of Jesus when um, these men come up to Jesus and they're like, oh, King Herod's been looking for you. He going to kill you. He wants to kill you. And Jesus is like, ain't nobody going to die here today. You tell that fox, I'm going to be here for three more days. How about that? Because Jesus knew what his calling was. He knew what his purpose was, what the promise was, what he came to do. Like he understood the assignment and the assignment's not done. So these threats don't change anything. This threat or attack from this viper didn't change Paul. He didn't even seem to be bothered by it. He just shook it off. And when it didn't have any you know, people who were watching, even though they were gracious and they were kind and hospitable, they made a judgment based on what Paul was going through, based on what they witnessed of Paul in this short little time. One, they didn't know him at all. But what they did know about Paul is what they saw in this in this uh, span of time. He just was shipwrecked. Okay, he was a prisoner. They came through this storm. Now he's so they so they obviously knew because. They obviously knew he was a prisoner or could have gathered that he was a prisoner. I don't think they had chains on them, but maybe they were dressed in something. Um, because in verse four, it says, when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. So maybe he did look like a prisoner. And so these people that are witnessing, they don't know Paul. They're not in close relationship with him. They don't know his character. They're just watching his life play out, this little portion of his life. It's not his whole life, right? They see that he's shipwrecked. He's a prisoner of some sort. And so while you were able to survive the storm, now you've been bit by a viper, which seems so random, that this viper would come out like what is the likeliness of that that you would be shipwrecked and then you're just trying to warm yourself and now this viper comes out and attacks your there are other people who help with the fire it says they were so gracious to us they started this fire but none of those people got bit so now they're watching paul paul gets bit by this snake and they make a judgment based on that they make an assumption oh he must be 
He must not be because look at all this stuff that's happening. I wonder how often you are judging somebody based on this small little window. I wonder how often people are judging you based on this small little window that they see about your life. Oh, she must not really be. They must not really be whatever. They must be some of the because they going through a lot. Cause um, yeah, they they business closed down. They they launch wasn't that good. Girl, they ain't getting that many views on a YouTube channel. So I don't know. They 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 might be doing something behind the scenes. People will judge you, and sometimes we can judge people based on just this small thing. But then when it had no impacts because they kept watching, they changed their minds. <laughs> they changed their minds about Paul. So he went from a murderer, just like very low life, to a god, high level, very low level murderer, to now he's a god. And that's because they were very superstitious. So now that it had no impact on him, they changed their mind. I want to encourage you and tell you, I know that there are people who are close to you, who should be encouraging you, who should believe in you. Come on, Jesus, who should be cheering you on. They're making some judgments about your situation right now. They are. They're making some judgments about what's going on in your marriage or with your money. They are speaking things against it. They are running around talking to each other about what's going on in your life and in your household. But guess what? They're going to keep watching. Let them watch. Okay. Let them watch because they will change their mind about you because God isn't going to leave you. Just because somebody is sitting back saying something about you does not make it true. And God does not take, um, he's not taking requests from people. He's not, oh, so-and-so said this about her. I might need to change. Okay. I'm going to change my mind. That is not what's happening. So I know friend. I know, friends, somebody's talking up, somebody's watching your life right now, and they are making some major judgments about who you are, about your character, about who you've been. But baby, let them keep watching. Y'all let these folks keep watching. They will change their mind because God got you. God's about to make them a witness to you. Okay. God's about to make them a witness of your anointing. God's about to make them a witness of the purpose that he has for your life. God's about to make them a witness of the glory that is his. Right. Because of what he's going to do in and through your life. So let them keep watching. Don't let that bother you. Paul certainly did not let it bother him. He was so unbothered that as he went to this house where they were being hospitable, he healed people as a prisoner. He still wasn't set free, still wasn't exonerated, still hadn't gotten any apology. People looking at him crazy. Right. I know they changed their mind about him, but these people looking at him crazy. Guess what? He didn't let that stop him from working in his power. He still used his power regardless of the position that he was in. And we see this character trait with Paul everywhere he goes. It doesn't matter where Paul at. Paul is doing his thing. He's showing up as Paul. You know, another beautiful thing that we notice in the scripture is that because of how Paul was so persistent everywhere he went, there was impact that he didn't even know. Right. There were churches all along the way. Let me tell y'all where these churches were. Let's just go back in case you missed it. Um, we are in verse 14. Be, uh, let's, let's go back to verse 13. From there, so they were um, they were in Malta, and then they left there on Alexandrian ship. They was in Malta for three months. Um, then they left there and went to Syracuse and stayed there for three days. And um, then they left from there. 
and they set sail to Regium. And then the next day, the south wind came and they reached Batuli. Okay, when they were there, there were brothers and sisters who invited them to spend a week. That brothers and sisters, he's talking about Christians. Christians in this place that he's not been, that are excited to see him. And then he goes to another city and people are coming from all these other places. They are excited to meet him. These are other Christians. This is, these are churches. Y'all know Paul was a church planner. How do this, how, first of all, you might be wondering, how do these folks even become Christian if there is no report of Peter going there or of Paul going to these places? How did these people become Christians? Well, the Jews all went to Jerusalem, right? Devout Jews all went to Jerusalem for the festivals, right? Pentecost happened there. So if you wanted to participate in that, then you had to travel there. Well, when they went there to travel, or maybe it's like the Day of Atonement. Don't make me lie to y'all about which festival they went there for. But they went there, okay? They went there, and that's where they had to go in order to um, celebrate this festival or this holiday. And while they were there, they probably heard Paul speaking. They became converts of Christianity. They went back to their home where they lived, and the gospel continued to spread. That To me, that's just time out. Just I want you to imagine for a second. Imagine that you have a message. Imagine that you have a purpose. Oh, wait, you do. You have a message and a purpose. And just by the sheer fact of you showing up and being consistent, you don't have to actually be able to get to everywhere. Hello, YouTube, right? Hello, social media. You don't actually have to be able to go to every continent in the world in order to spread your message. It's a beautiful thing that you can spread your message and those people would then take that message back to where they were, where they're from and it could spread the message that you have about prayer or that you have about health or that you have about healing or that you have about Bible or that you have about faith or that you have about Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just by the sheer of like showing up to do what you can do where you are, which is what Paul did over and over and over. And at the sight of them, he began to thank God, thanking God that his life, the thing that he did had impact. These are actual, there's nothing more exciting. I'm trying to tell you right now. There is nothing more exciting for me than being at the retreat as of right now, because we don't, we don't have a conference as a church and, um, you know, we do meetups and things like that, but it's nothing more exciting than the retreat. And the reason the retreat is so exciting and it encourages me, um, and I'm so grateful for it is because I get to lay eyes on the people, my story, my yes, my ministry that God has given me. I want to be used by God and you get up and you do the work. But when you get to the retreat, I get to see it in real time, baby. I am thanking God. I am encouraged when I get to see you. And so I can definitely relate to Paul actually getting, being able to see some of the people that you've impacted. That's gotta be amazing. Like, I just, I love that. Right. Paul goes on to talk about how he didn't want to press charges. I'm not here to fight with y'all. I'm not here to bust y'all up, Paul is saying, right? I'm not here to bust y'all up. I'm excited to see y'all, excited to see these Christians coming here to talk to these elders of the church. I'm not trying to, you know, 
you know, do the rah-rah with y'all is what Paul was saying. So he meets with these elders and they're like, okay, you know what? We're actually really excited to hear about this. We, we want to hear. We, we don't really know, but we definitely want to hear what your views are. So then he meets him for the second time and he shares the gospel. He gets to Rome. These Christians greet him. He's excited about that. He asks to meet with the elders. They come. Now he has an opportunity. He is sharing the gospel first with the Jews. He shared it all day long, right? He pled his case. And he did so using the law of Moses because Moses tells of the forecoming Savior. He does so referencing the prophets. And this is really important. Paul is so strategic. He understands his audience. We can see he's very learned. We've seen that a hundred times. Every time he gets ready to speak, he's always connecting with his audience. He's always sure to connect with his audience. And this is no different. He is convincing them, showing them, teaching them that Jesus is the Messiah, not just based on his experience or what somebody told him, but he's connecting the dots to things that they should know, things that they have in common. I know y'all know about the law of Moses. It's the foundation of the Jewish faith. I know y'all know about the law of Moses and I know y'all know these prophets. So let me connect these dots for y'all. Guess what? Some of them are convinced. Some of them are not. And so they're split. And when he hears this, he's like, you know what? He quotes Isaiah. He credits the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said through Isaiah that y'all wasn't going to listen. And since y'all ain't going to listen, I'm going to go to the Gentiles. And so he says that in two years, they're in Rome preaching the gospel from his home. You know, now this is from his home. The Bible says this is a little, this is a little interesting to me, actually. Um, it says for two whole years, this is verse 30, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. So he paid for his own place, but he does have a guard. He's there for two years. The reason this is. The reason I know there's a guard there, or I have reason to believe there's a guard there, one, it said it before. And two, it is during this time frame that he's there for those two years that he wrote um, the epistles, the some of the epistles, right? These are like his prison epistles while he was in prison. And every time I thought about Paul being in prison, I'm not trying to downplay, you know, being in prison. This seems more like counselors because it's his own house. He rented it. He got a guard. He can come and go as he please. People can come and go. Now, he can't do any extensive traveling, but I mean, he can get out. He can visit people in town. So it seems more like house arrest, but whatever, it's prison. And these are considered his prison epistles, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and they were written while he was there. So this two years spent in Rome and this prison in Rome, it, it really is given house arrest, in my opinion. <laughs> Um, I'm sure it, listen, I shouldn't say that uh, the Lord, the Holy Spirit just reminded me how I was just telling Olivia that I feel like a prisoner on how it's on, um, 77. All right. If y'all are in Charlotte, then you drive once and you have to drive on 77. If I'm on there, like doing some rush hour traffic, it feels like prison. I feel trapped and I'm not trapped and I don't even have a card. So you know what? I, I, I rescind. I resent the shade I was throwing to Paul about his prison time. I resent that. It's prison, Paul, because I feel like 77 is prison. So I'm going to let that go. All right. Let's get into some of these lessons um, from these observations. I just, 
the thing I really want you to focus on here, the, the thing that I feel like the Holy Spirit is really bringing out in this for us, this church at this time, is we're seeing Paul's purpose fulfilled, right? We're seeing a portion of his purpose fulfilled. At some point, you know, God sent him to the Jews and the Gentiles and is telling him that these things are going to continue. You're going to go through some trouble and that's cool, but I'm sending you to Rome and that's where you're going to preach to the Gentiles. And so what we see in Acts 28 is that's what Paul is doing. And what are the lessons we can see? Who wants to fulfill their purpose? I don't know about you. Like one, I, I feel like I know what my purpose is. And two, that's literally what I want to do. I want to fulfill my purpose. There's a thing that God has spoken over me. There's a thing that God has spoken over you. There's, there's a purpose and a promise of fulfillment. There's an assignment that you have. There's an anointing on you for your assignment. Is there anybody under the sound of my voice that wants to fulfill the purpose that God has for them? And if you don't know what your purpose is, it is your responsibility to seek that thing. Because we know that we were created with a purpose. We weren't just created for nothing. God didn't just save you for nothing. He said that we are his craftsmanship, right? That he saved us through Christ for the work that he predestined us for. That means that, yes, we were saved and we were re redeemed to him. He reconciled us to him. But there is work that is meant for us to do. There's an assignment on your life. There is purpose. If you still have air in your lungs, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, there's an assignment. Is there anybody that wants to fulfill the purpose that God has for them? When God calls me home, I want him to say, well done. I want them to be saying about me, she didn't leave nothing. She ate. And it's what the kids say. Ate. She leave no crumbs. That's what you say. I think that's what the kids say. I want, I want them to be saying in heaven, I want the angels and my Lord and Savior to be saying, now baby girl left it all in the paint. She left it all like she did. She left that place completely empty. She did everything I assigned for her to do. Is there anybody under the sign of my voice that wants to fulfill the purpose that God has for them? These are the lessons for you. It's not for everybody. It's not for people who are like, I'm cool. I'm saved. And I'm just waiting on the Lord to call me home. That's it. Like I done gave my life to Christ. I ain't trying to fulfill no purpose. I ain't trying to serve nobody. This is not for them. This is for those of you who are either seeking your purpose, trying to, trying to find out what your purpose is so that you can fulfill it because you desperately want to do the work that God has placed you on this earth and has kept you on this earth. There were some things that were supposed to take you out, but God has kept you. He saved you for what? Not just so you could be breathing in and breathing out. He didn't keep you. He didn't heal your body. I know, I know that you are older than, you know, you might want to be. I get it. That you're a little long in the tooth. That you are a wise old sage. But guess what? The Lord has kept you here still for a reason. That means there is still purpose on your life. And if you want to live a life of your purpose fulfilled, then drop an emoji in the chat for me. Drop an emoji in the chat for me if you want to have a fulfilled life. I want to live out this purpose that God has for my life in this season of my life. Because I believe that purpose evolves. And so maybe your purpose in one season is not necessarily your purpose in this season, you know? But God saved you for a reason. He kept you for a reason. He's continuing to encourage you for, he brought you into the fold of Bold Faith Community Church so you can get fired up for a reason. And if you're here for that, you are in the right place. I got some lessons for you. The first lesson, how many lessons do I have? 
five. Look at that. Oh, God is so good. Have five lessons for you. The first lesson from this scripture that I saw is don't worry about what they think. Right? The islanders, they thought something about Paul. They thought that he was a murderer. Don't worry about what they think. Keep doing the work that God called you to do. Then they thought he was a God. Paul didn't let that deter him either. He didn't say, oh, now they think I'm a God. I'm going to live in this space like a God. He was like, okay, I'm not worried about what these people think. I have work to do. So don't worry about what they think, whether they think you're the greatest or whether they think you're the worst, whether they think you're the most qualified or they think you're unqualified. Don't worry about what they think because it has no power on your purpose. It has no impact on your purpose. It's got, it's got nothing on you. What these people out here in these streets, in your family, in your house, in your neighborhood, on that job, at your church, what they think of you, that does not matter. Don't worry about what they think. You want to live out your purpose. You want to fulfill the purpose that God has for you. The first thing that you need to understand is that what they think don't matter. So don't worry about what they think. The second thing I want for you to do, I want for you to understand, is that you have power regardless of your position. Regardless of what your position is, maybe you're not the boss. Maybe you're the assistant. Maybe you're a volunteer. Maybe you just started. Maybe you're a startup. Regardless of your position, you still have power. And Paul was in a position as a prisoner. Guess what? He still had the power to heal. That power and that anointing hadn't left him. So maybe you don't have a ton of clients. Maybe you don't have a ton of followers. Maybe you're not where you thought it would be at this time, but maybe you still got power. You still have power. So if you want to fulfill the purpose that God has for you, stop worrying about the position that you're in and start using the power that God has given you because that power hasn't dried up because of the position that you're in. The third thing is, be, you know, your impact is greater than you know. I'm, I'm here to tell you, your impact is greater than you know. We saw how excited and how encouraged Paul was as he's on his way to Rome and these brothers and sisters of the faith are coming out to meet him. And when he lays eyes on them, he's encouraged and he thanks God for them. That's his impact. Your impact is greater than you know. While he was out there doing his thing, he might not have realized the impact that he was having on all these people. Your impact is greater than you know. I think that's a great place for you to celebrate, for you to be grateful, for you to thank God, because he's using you right where you are. The next thing you need to know is you need to be persistent in your pursuit. Paul did not let anything stop him. In, his, in the pursuit of his purpose, like he just did not let anything stop him. Not a shipwreck, not being arrested, not being beat half to death. Y'all remember that? That was several chapters ago. Not being beat till they thought he was dead. He didn't let that stop him. Not the threat of imprisonment, not being flogged. He didn't let that stop him. Not being accused, that didn't stop him. Getting on a boat, almost drowning, that ain't stop him. Coming here, getting bit by a snake, that didn't stop him. He didn't let any... Telling these folks, them not listening, them turning their backs, um, not believing him, getting in the uproar. He didn't let that stop. People lying on him. Some of y'all are giving up too easy. You are just giving up. And if you want to fulfill your purpose, you have to be persistent in your pursuit. 
And last but certainly not least, God's promise will prevail. I don't know what God spoke over you. This is what the Holy Spirit wants you to know, right? Because I, I often say, well, how do I know that God promised me something? How do I know that this is a promise to me? When God speaks, it's a promise. When the Lord says he's going to do something, it's a promise. It's a guarantee. Real talk is not even a promise because it's already done. Okay, real talk is not a promise because it's already done. Even if it hasn't happened in the natural, the minute it leaves the mouth of God is done. It's already done. Whatever it is that God has spoken over you, over your situation, over your ministry, over your business, over your mind, you can start celebrating right now because it's already done. The promises of God will prevail. Every time he opens his mouth, it is a promise. We've looked at the observations, we've learned some lessons, but we would be remiss if we didn't take some time to consider the direction that God is sending us in. What does God want you to do with this? What direction is God giving you as it relates to today's sermon? I think he wants you to stay focused on your assignment. That's God's direction to you. Yes, there are some lessons, some things for you to remember, but I truly believe that God is telling you, if you are listening to this, to stay focused on the assignment. He wants you to use what you have where you are. He wants you to keep going. He does not want you to give up. Don't be discouraged. This is an opportunity for you to praise God, for you to go ahead and celebrate the promise because God's promises prevail. So every time he opens his mouth to speak to you, it's a done deal. You can go ahead and start celebrating even in the separation. You can start celebrating even at the start of the launch. You can start celebrating even when you look at that bank account and it's not looking like you want it to. You can start celebrating even in the midst of your healing journey. You can start celebrating right now now because God made you a promise and that promise will prevail in your life. Now, some of you may be thinking, I don't even hear from God. I don't know that God is really rolling with me like that because I haven't really been rolling with God like that. Well, I don't really know him like that. We, I know of him, but he can't be giving me direction because I have not accepted him as my Lord and Savior. And if that's you, we're going to go ahead and fix that right now. Maybe you don't know God. Maybe you haven't accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You don't understand the power that you possess. You don't understand what is available to you. You don't understand that God loves you in spite of all the things that you've experienced and all the things that you've done. It doesn't matter how long you've waited. Maybe some of you has, have even gone astray and now you're ready to come back. God is anticipating you. He is waiting with open arms to accept you. So if you are ready to accept God as your Lord and Savior, I want you to say this prayer with me. Father, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. I believe that you raised him from the dead. I now accept him as my Lord and Savior. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Thank you, Father God, for forgiving me for saving me and giving me eternal life with you. Amen. Listen, if you said it and you meant it, then that settles it. 
I am so excited to be one of the first to welcome you to the family of God. Welcome, 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 welcome. Listen, what I want you to do is send me an email at praise at boldfaithchurch.org. We want to know that you've accepted Christ. We want to celebrate this with you. We want to get some resources in your hand. I know that this is an individual decision and it's about an individual relationship with God, but it is not meant to be done in isolation. Come and be a part of this community. Let us walk alongside you. Going to help you to get connected. Maybe you are returning back to the fold. Maybe you are the prodigal daughter or the prodigal son coming back to Christ. You kind of got off track. Guess what? We want to celebrate with you too. Send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Or maybe you decided after today, you've kind of been here as a visitor Yes, you watch us online. There's a difference, y'all, between I watch sermons online and this is my church. There's just a difference in your heart's posture. There's a difference in your attitude. It's where you serve. Yes, there are opportunities for you to serve at a virtual church. It's where you give. Yes, we would love for you to give your tithes and offerings here if you call this place your home. Maybe you just decided that. Guess what? We want to know that too. Send us an email, praise at boldfaithchurch.org. Now listen, if this sermon today has blessed you, if it has encouraged you, if it has reminded you of God's goodness or the promise that he made to you, then I want you to help us to bring this message to more people. Go ahead to boldfaithchurch.org and you can set up your giving you can give your tithes and your offering there, whether you give a one-time donation, whether you give $1 or $1 million, God is going to bless it. You can believe that this here is good soil, okay? So go ahead and sow a seed here. We couldn't do this work without those of you who give weekly. We couldn't do this without your generosity. So thank you for supporting what God is doing in and through this church. Now listen, you know that we are not done and I don't want you to miss it. You can join the conversation by going to the church's website at boldfaithchurch.org. You can go there when you say join, it'll give you the Zoom link. You can also see the Zoom link. Uh, where is it? It's pinned to the top in the chat. It's also in the community, Bold Faith with Courage Molina. It's also pinned there. I try to put the Zoom link everywhere. Text the friend who invited you. <laughs> Um, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook if you're watching this right now, and I will try to check it so I can send you the Zoom so you can join us because that's really where community happens. As always, thank you so much for coming here. Oh, wait, listen, look, listen to me saying thank you. I do thank you for coming, but before you go, be sure to like this video. If you like this church, if you like this sermon, if you like anything about this video at all, go ahead and like this video. When you like the video, when you like, share, and comment, even especially in the replay, when you like, share, and comment, right, it lets other people find us. It helps other women, men too, who are looking for a community where they can build their faith. It helps them to find us. YouTube kind of starts to promote us and let people know, hey, you're looking for great faith content. These people think it's great. You might too. So go ahead. Don't forget to like the video, to share, and to subscribe if you haven't. All right. I love you. And I will see you in the Zoom. I hope to see you there. I hope you're in there. All right. I love you. Thanks. 
If this episode has blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else so that you too can be a blessing. If you'd like to connect with us and help us to do the work that God has called us to do, you can give at boldfaithchurch.org. Be sure to connect with us on Instagram at boldfaithchurch and connect with me at Courage Molina. Thanks so much. Be sure to catch the next episode right here.